Hello and welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment. I mean, my name is Moscow Mule. Uh, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. And joined, uh, kind of the second time, I guess, by our lovely guest, Matthew Prelberg. Are you hitting on him? I'm back. He's back. He hasn't left. It's Robin Matt. Robin Robin Matt. Matt. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's back. If you uh, if you weren't if you didn't pay attention to last week or you didn't listen to last week, uh, is uh, my friend from Georgia, and he's joining us uh, because today we're talking about Dune. Dune. I don't know if we ever established that that I was from Georgia. Oh wait, no, we said he's Matt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's an avid he's an avid Dune lover, and so we decided to have him on. Um, and uh, for the duration of the this episode. Uh, I will refer to good old Batmat, the original host, as Dalthorpe, his last name. And I will refer to Georgia Matt and or Matt 2.0 uh, as Prelberg, his last name, just to help keep it straight. You'll try. I will try. You will uh, fail. I failed last week a couple times. Yeah, it's fine. And now that you have alcohol in your system, it's going to be worse. Yep. And it's a Moscow mule and I make them a little strong. So we'll see what happens real quick before we get into the topic. Uh, brief announcement that we also covered last week, more in depth. Uh, starting in three weeks, uh, content episodes will uh, no longer be a thing. Uh, we are readjusting how we do the podcast uh, purely based on time. Um, Matt and I want to do our content episodes. Content basically is like Dune and all the non Watchmen Up to News episodes. Uh, we want to do more research and have a more in-depth and solid discussion. And uh, Matt is has two jobs and a wedding coming up. Uh, I have a full-time job and also run a company. And so we don't have the time to fully do the research we want to be able to do. I was so, up till 1230 last night finishing Dune. Yeah, just for this episode. Yep. Not even for like a series of episodes. This is what I do for you, listeners. You're doing for Dune. You're doing for, yeah, Matt. Uh, uh, do it for Dune. Do it for Dune. Do it for Dune. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is starting with episode 201 is we are going to alternate. We are going to continue releasing audio every week at 8 p.m. on Sundays. But it's going to be alternating between an episode about what you've been up to, which is just us talking about the things we've been reading or watching and reviewing a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next week is news things that have happened and us going a little bit more in depth than that. But the content episodes, the discussions about chosen topics uh, are going to go on a hiatus and or end depending because we want to do more research and actually change the way we approach it. And so we don't know <laughs> what the form that is going to take, whether it be a, a uh, series of special Just Us Losers episodes that we will release once we've researched in depth, recorded, produced these episodes, or if it's going to be an entirely different podcast. Uh, it depends mm-hmm. on if we feel that what we want to do with it does not really fit within the brand of Justice Losers uh, or the the expectations we've essentially set over the past 200 episodes. And so what that will look like is completely up in the air right now, but it it will exist. Uh, We have decided firmly because Matt and I. We're so tired. We're we're tired. (laughs) Uh, It's it takes so much time to 
vaguely research a half an episode. Um, Prelberg uh, uh, helped uh, pitched in last time saying that like the spy episode who did would have been really nice to dig way more into it, uh, like a series of episodes. But we just I watched like six movies for it and got that episode out like it's <laughs> it takes it takes yeah. a lot to research and uh and we want to give we feel like i feel like we like audience an audience will walk away from an episode having earned like a new respect for something or a new appreciation for something we want to do that better um and and take more into account take a more well-rounded approach have more guests uh more experienced guests or knowledgeable guests on the episodes so uh that's that's that our social media is going to go on pause because uh i've been doing all that lately and that has taken so much time just researching uh uh, we had our marketing team do it before Mm -hmm. and they knew the stuff on how to do it uh but they've moved on to better things they will continue doing stuff with us we we, we're, we're not letting them go no uh but i've been doing it lately and i've been having to research how to do it Mm-hmm. And that, along with creating graphics and everything, has taken a lot of my time that can be better run or better used running the company. So, frankly, I think your talents are really well spent in the graphic design department. Oh, you saw our graphic on Instagram this last week. And if yes. you're if yes, you're watching the audio, <laughs> if you're watching the audio version, Matt, have is... you seen uh, Prelberg? Have you seen my graphic? You sent it to me. Oh, it okay, was cool. Incredible. Isn't it beautiful? I was just. It's really nice. I'm really proud of it. It's the it's the thing I'm the most proud of in life. In my life, and <laughs> well and deservedly. Oh, and it it took me six years oh, to get okay. my degree, and I'm an Eagle Scout. Like all that pales in comparison to that graphic. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the that's the big old announcement. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'll stop touching on it so heavily in future episodes. All two of them. yeah thank you matt yep uh but uh let's get into this dune 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 all right what's dune someone tell me what dune is dune is a book it's a big book it's a really thick book it's a really fat book if you're if you're watching the audio version i'm holding this up to the camera right now watching the audio version that's not the words if you're watching the video version (laughs) If you're watching the video version, I'm holding this book up to the camera right now, and you are seeing that this is a really big, thick book. If you're listening to the audio version, my edition is 884 pages. Now, that is admittedly including about 100 pages of appendices and a little dictionary and afterward. It's a big, thick book. Uh, hold up your hand and look at your four fingers like together. Uh, that's about how big it is. Bigger. Well, yeah, it's spread that out That depends right on someone's hand size. Much yeah. bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's about that size. You, you get the message. It's big. It's a big. It's a big thick, old book. It's a big, thick science fiction book. It is a science. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sort of a. It's been described as a mix of hard, soft, so, hard and soft sci-fi. Yes. Um, I would just, agree with that. Just to lay some ground rules out on what those definitions are. Um, hard sci-fi is science fiction that is based in at least semi-realistic or quasi-plausible science where you can, everything is explained and there are like nice mechanical processes. And then soft sci-fi is a little more loose and hand wavy and 
science and magic are kind of indistinguishable from each other. I've had a different interpretation of the two. You're looking at the internet, but like... Hit me, the, hit but, me with, hit so with yours. I'm, looking, at, I'm of, looking up what year Dune was released. Okay. <laughs> uh, the way I've kind of viewed it is hard sci-fi is science that goes with uh, real sciences, and that is physics... Uh, excuse me. Physics, geology, uh, ecology, like the things that, that, that are real sciences that have laws... And soft science sci-fi is sci-fi that is based more in uh, pseudosciences like psychology, uh, economy, stuff like that. Things that you can find strong correlations, but... Did you just say economics is a pseudoscience? Yeah, it is. It 100% is because totally. it's, it's something... Social science. It, well, the pseudoscience. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> oh my, wow. Uh, this is how you know we have a bunch of STEM majors here. This is actually kind of funny because, uh, so I have an engineering degree. Matt has, or uh, Dalthorpe has an economics, <laughs> economics degree. Uh, oh, wow. And, and you're going to say it's pseudoscience? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and right. okay. Has got, a, I, got, I bow to your superior <laughs> wisdom then. As you should. I, I mean, like, yeah. it's, and, it, and I feel like that's. Microbiology. Uh, microbiology. microbiology, yes. So another hard science, uh, like things where you can have rules and like you can like very concretely yeah. have observations. Once you put something in a biological system, it's magic. It, it, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. <laughs> Just do it again. You heard it here from a microbiology degree. That's, it's all that's magic. <laughs> I'm gonna go get a graduate degree too. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, it's uh, and so I, that's something that I feel like Dune does. The reason it's a blend is because uh, so one of the big things about Dune that I find the most fascinating is uh, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Okay, sorry, but I want my we, we definition is different from all three, all two of yours. Okay, and all three have different definitions. Hit us with it. Mine is based on Brandon Sanderson's hard magic system, soft magic Thank system, you. and mm. it, so it's kind of a combination of the two of yours. Hard magic system and hard sci-fi systems, there are discrete rules mm -hmm. that the reader can understand. They're explained to the reader in various ways. So the reader could come up with like kind of a, their own concept of how a magic would work or how a sci-fi thing would work. Mm -hmm. They can predict, if they see the breadcrumbs, what is going to happen and what the character is thinking and how they're using their sci-fi tech or their... Uh, how the system is working or how the magic is going to work out. Yep. A soft magic system, it's kind of just unexplained. Demons, you know, <laughs> I say this spell, it happens. Soft sci-fi would just be techno babble and then the result that you want. Sort of a deus ex machina. Okay. Right. Okay. I buy it. I like it. So you're gonna, so the, the kind of the broad idea is the fact that there are some very cool, strong, solid ideas and the way the world works in Dune. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes there's just like, you know, this is what needs to happen. I'm going to take some magic space drugs to become omnipotent. Omnipotent. To become <laughs> omnipotent. <laughs> omnipotent. There you go. Got the, yeah. The, the yep. So where's go? Where'd I'm the, the one who's halfway through a Moscow mule. Yeah, this is great. We're going, we're going good here. Yep. Let's let's just talk about the first chapter. What's the first chapter? That is 
Because that's the only chapter I completed. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I have read the whole book. Well, I was rereading this part for this episode for you guys to bring me in. I just really appreciated all the work he puts in that first chapter mm-hmm. of like the groundwork of the world, establishing Paul as a character, mm-hmm. kind of showing how sci-fi he is. Uh, with like the meditation sleep that he goes mm-hmm. through, how spooky things are happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and just like there's there's a lot of work that's going in to that first chapter. Right. And yeah. I really appreciate it on a second reread. Yeah. Yep. So how did you first come to Dune? I uh how did I <laughs> Oh, you know, it's just one of those books that everyone told me. I was into audiobooks like I've said, and it was just available. At the library. You okay. know, you can use, like, checkouts on libraries. I said, why not? So I just checked it out, started listening to it, and I fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. Cool. Preston, how did you come to Dune? Nah, I want to... Mine's a fun one. Yours is a fun one. Mine's kind of boring. Uh, my uncle g- gave me a copy. Um, He really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> my uncle gave me a copy, and I read it, and that's my story. <laughs> it's a little more interesting than okay. that. Okay. Uh, my uncle gave me a copy when I was probably about eighth grade or so, because um, he really liked it when he was a teenager um, back in the 70s when it was kind of gaining popularity. Um, and I read it and was probably too young to really appreciate all the layers and was kind of unimpressed. And it's just like, yeah, dude, it's oh, a thing. Okay. I didn't um, know you were unimpressed with it. I'm, that's a, yeah. It is interesting. And that's more interesting than... My uncle gave it to me and I read it and that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> I could say interesting things too. I can have interest in my life. That's not true. That's not true. Um, so then the movie was coming out and I knew we were going to have to talk about it in some depth. So I bought a copy off Amazon and thought, I'll read this. Oh, really? You read it? The second time you read it was after the trailer came out? No, it was after the movie had been announced, announced. and cast. Yeah. But still, wow. Okay. Why do I get the feeling you've read it like five times? Because I've read it three times, but very well. Fair enough. I'm a better reader than you. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I don't remember most of the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I read it a second time. It's really good. This was about a year and a half ago. Um, no, maybe not even that long. Maybe that long ago. Let's say that long ago. Let's say that long ago. Doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> there recent, are no rules. Recent enough that I, remember, that I remember it pretty well and was super into it and really enjoyed it. And then I reread it over the past week because I hate myself, but I wanted to be able to talk about it coherently. Yep. Preston, how did you come to Dune? How did you introduce me to it? Was it... Okay, so... Uh, was it a you gave it to me to read at some point and I decided to read it or was it I'm going on this trip and you're like, this is your chance to read it, read this on the trip or what was the, I think it was sort of a mix of the two. Cause I, we knew you that you were probably going to have to try to read it right. before the movie dropped. Um, and I think, I don't know if I had actually given it to you before the trip, but I think you came to me and said, Hey, I'm going on this trip. Just give me Dune and we'll, I'll see if I can okay. make a dent in it on this trip. Yeah, You pick up the story from there. So, uh, I had a trip to, uh, Minnesota from Oklahoma and mm-hmm. that is a 
12 hour drive one way. So 24 hours total. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, I, my typical approach when I was a kid or when I was a teenager was to just put on music in my ears and sleep the entire way. Mm -hmm. And that I felt like I was getting too old for that to be able to pull that off. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll read a book. Like, I don't know. Matt's been saying, read this Dune. I'm going off the, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it was. Cause I don't really remember perfectly, but Matt's been saying, I got to read Dune. Mine is like, maybe I'll, you know, yeah. Like you said, put a dent in it. Oh, got the book, got in the car. Oh, to be fair or, uh, context my parents were driving my whole family my parents my sister and i all got in the same car. right so I was see the i'm the sort of person oh, that, that would read way while more driving safer than what i was picturing of you <laughs> holding the book while steering no i was in the back car i was in the back seat as a 25 year old <laughs> in my parents car driving up to minnesota and i was like all right i'll just start reading this and i've enjoyed reading comics along with uh lo-fi girl or lo-fi hip-hop mm-hmm. uh so i downloaded that old playlist on spotify checked on the headphones and just started reading um and then 12 hours later i was halfway through the book and in minnesota (laughs) 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 and um absolutely blown away um a little bit more context in my life is i haven't read a book like actually read a book since i was in elementary school Mm -hmm. i school killed reading for me um, I read full books in elementary school uh, for book reports. Sure. But even like in elementary school, I didn't really read them. I did. I don't know if people, if listeners will remember AR tests. Yep. Um, I set my school record. Prowberg. We went to. We went, of course you did. We went through uh, <laughs> uh, up through. I moved in the middle of high school. We went through all of our school together in Georgia. Um, so there's AR tests. And I did so many AR tests on movies i'd seen <laughs> so i took the harry potter ar tests because i'd seen the movies <laughs> how did that go for you i passed them it's close don't enough. they ask okay. questions that are trying to get you to oh there were definitely like questions it was different. like what is this thing i'm like oh that must have been in the book <laughs> uh, but i guessed you know it's multiple choice but uh it just it all reading became requirements um and it i lost all interest uh i got through uh, middle school and high school without reading a single book um, that was required spark noting things. Uh, there, I have a whole story about getting a 25% on a test in, because I guessed on literally every single question, which statistically, wow, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Right on the money. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. You are a, you're a monkey in a room full of typewriters. Yep. Uh, so I just, I never re- like reading books. Um, and actually longtime listeners, if you go back and listen to the full podcast, you'll actually see my, that kind of journey of mine mm-hmm. where I was just like, I like reading graphic novels cause it's less to read. You can read it in smaller bite size. You can look like, at the pictures if you, you don't know how to read. Yeah, exactly. Um, made that joke a lot. And then, and then Dune happened like just 12 hours later, that's literally how I say the story to everybody. 12 mm-hmm. hours later, I was in house halfway through the book and in Minnesota. Yeah. It, it just, it sucked me in. It's like the, all the characters, everything, the, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even really describe it because it's the only time I've read the book. I haven't mm-hmm. been able to read it since. Right. But it just, I, I make the joke that I learned how to read. 
Yeah. And uh, on the way back, well, while we were there, I read a little bit at mm-hmm. night. But on the way back, I uh, I literally read the last sentence about 10 minutes away from my house. So it was just mm-hmm. the perfect amount of the book. And I since then, I'm like, I got to read more books. Yeah. Books are cool. <laughs> um, Dude, audiobooks. Do the audiobooks. I mean, I, I know it's cheating. I don't even know if I want to do audiobooks. Like, I think it's a, uh, like, because of that, it's it's a very, like, my brain took that experience of lo-fi hip-hop, listening, like, having lo-fi hip-hop in the background while reading a book as a thoroughly enjoyable experience Mm -hmm. and like this has been a like kaylin my girlfriend is a huge bookworm Mm -hmm. and her her problem is she can't just like is she as big as a sandworm sized bookworm i would say so uh she can't casually read a book uh Mm -hmm. she has to like she gets so sucked into the fiction of the book that like there's no getting out of it right um and so it's it's something that has like becoming like learning how to read mm-hmm. has brought me closer in my relationship and literally it's because of Dune. It's just it's a weird little beautiful story that <laughs> yeah. kind of came out of this podcast. Yeah. And yep. I love it. You're like this book this book changed my life. It, it, guys. Honestly, it, it actually did. did. It yeah. like I yeah. I learned how to read. It managed to undo 12 years of forceful education <laughs> yeah which what's kind of incredible was that then i think you reached out to me or something you you were like have you read dune i can't remember <laughs> who was talking to it but we we were reading it almost at the exact yeah. same time mm-hmm. and i was like i love dune it was uh <laughs> so you and i like we we were in college or not nah, that's not right uh we were in high school together and uh, when I moved, like, we kind of just, like, didn't really talk for, what, like, seven years? Six years? Well, I went to your Eagle Scout thing. That's true. You did. Okay, so more like four or five. No, still like five, six years. Um, yeah, something like that. And, like, we reconnected and then, like, just, like, became a lot closer friends again. And it was just one of the, it's another one of the uh, element of that story where I was just like, yeah, we were literally Skyping. It was one of those three-hour Skype calls where I was just like, yeah, I'm reading this book right, called yeah. Dune, and you're like, Mo'adib! Mo'adib! Mo'adib. And it just, like... It's, it's amazing. Dune has been this weird, like, I... I don't know if it's really that good. <laughs> it's good. It's, it is. It's fantastic, <laughs> but, like, I, it's, I have such a strong emotional connection to it in so many ways. Mm-hmm um and like it's just i'm a little tainted on it like i can't even say that like oh you should totally read it because it's a fantastic book like i just love the book because it's become mm-hmm. so ingrained in my life now like i have read so many books i read dracula yeah because i read dude you read a piece of like actual honest to goodness classic literature written yeah. in a different century first half of it's great <laughs> <laughs> But so that's my experience with Dune. Yeah. Was just I guess I'll read it. Oh my god, I read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. First I I claim it to be the first book I've ever finished because I don't count the books. I I don't count Magic Treehouse when I was in 4th grade. 
Oh man, I remember reading those. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was addicted to those, but but like, like this is the, yeah. it's the first book I ever finished, and boy, is it a doozy. Would you say yeah? Doonzy? Damn it. Oh, you walked right into that Damn one. It. I, I just so walked into I that one. I strutted into that shit. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we've laid out a good emotional pitch for the people. Let's ex- let's explain what Dune actually is. We've talked what a lot is about Dune. What's the story about What's the story of Dune? Who's going to answer this? We have 3 people. Oh, we no. have 3 people. I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, you'll do it. Dune's a guy who decided <laughs> to go to a water planet and take over all of the natives. That is like explain it badly, but on a whole new level. <laughs> I've flipped so many things. So Dune is about uh God. Wow, so how do you simply explain Dune? <laughs> Maybe it's, I should do this because I just it, read it. Okay, so I, I want to yeah. try, try. I want to shoot for it, and I want to okay, see what happens. I'll fill in the gaps. So it's a uh, young heir to a uh, a royal house of a distant, distant future galactic uh, empire, mm-hmm. and uh, this family acquires, basically, I think uh, the the planet. That is the only planet that produces a very valuable material that basically makes the empire run. And so he goes there Mm -hmm. with his family. And I should point out, it's not acquired. They are compelled by the emperor to trade planets with the Harkonnens. Okay. Thank you, Matt. So he still acquired the the planet. Yes, they do acquire the planet. It is... (laughs) In nominal terms, again, because Arrakis, the the planet with mm-hmm. the spice, the valuable substance, is very rich in yes. the thing that the, everyone wants. The thing that everyone wants. And he, as the heir to the Empire, uh, goes through... I mean, it's at, at this point, going through the story would be spoiling things. So, uh, right. must uh, earn the respect and the loyalty of the natives Mm -hmm. uh, to the planet while uh, some really fancy game of Thrones level shit is going on. Yep. We, it's not a spoiler to say that the Harkonnens and the Atreides, the the main characters, the quote unquote good guys of the story don't get along very well. Starks and Lannisters, if you will. They don't like each other. Yep. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Baggins (laughs) and Sackville Bagginses. Ooh. Ooh. I would like to approach the setting. Yes. Preston has laid the groundwork. The setting of Dune is one of the most incredible things to me. It's just how, like, he is credited as being one of the greatest sci-fi writers of our time of that of that era and probably still kind of ever because of his setting and had the intricacy but uh, the classic of just show don't tell you can piece together so much of the history of this world that he's made from just snippets of dialogue and then they all start to add up into this really rich rich backstory that is completely just it is literally the backdrop of the main setting of the story and that setting occurs in an intergalactic empire ruled by kind of a quasi um what's the word 
feudal thank you uh, system with the emperor at the top and then these minor houses that kind of have coalesced together, they have checks on the emperor, mm-hmm. but you know, they kind of all have to listen to him and his like it, h- the emperor's will. It is a fantastic and, uh, book. Uh, just like I just concept of uh, like, there is so much time he spent creating the universe that is not yeah. put explicitly in the book. And you can feel right. that in every every sentence. Like there's just a like I mean it the, we have explicitly all of the backstory mm-hmm. in places, whether it be in the appendices or in like other books or just like other works of his fiction that like that the whole world exists, mm-hmm. but the book just tells its story. It yep. doesn't bother telling the past. How many years? In the, like it's like three thousand, something like that. I think more than that. Like some several thousands of years in the future, but it doesn't bother trying to explain to you all of that backstory. But you can feel it in every sentence. Yeah, like the the introduction of the Mentats. Yep. With how they talk about, they just drop the machine war mm-hmm. and how they got rid of all the thinking machines, and you can just kind of. You're, when I first read that, I was thinking the Terminator shit. Yeah, yeah. the Butlerian Jihad. That's is... essentially kind of what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, and and you're just you're like, wait, wasn't this before Terminator? And then you look and you're yes. Yeah. And so he just created Terminator. And yeah. that's that's the thing that just like it makes the book so approachable, as the first book of an entire franchise. Yep. That just. You don't need to know anything going into it. It, it, it's so hard to explain. Like, so okay, so here, Game of Thrones season one. I don't know about the book. Let's just talk to people who have seen the show. Okay. Uh, you can watch it, and there are like people say things to each other that you're like, "What the hell's going? On? Like, what? Huh?" Mm-hmm. And you kind of lose a little bit unless you're paying excruciatingly close attention to what's being said and like remembering tiny little like off the cuff comments for three episodes later when a little bit more context is given. Yep. It's a little bit hard to get into for all of the lore, but like Dune doesn't do that. It's like, it's, you can read it and you get the information you need at every point. Yep. And you can send like Matt's uh, or like doubt that bit Proberg, whatever your name is. Uh, we are one. Like Proverb said, like Robin Matt, going through it, like you see these pieces come together as you're reading, mm-hmm. rather than like sitting there with a giant hole in understanding what's going on for it to be filled in pages later. As someone who's been on like a fantasy kick recently, with like just all I've been re- listening to and reading is fantasy books. Because it's the easiest, most digestible thing when I'm working mm-hmm. and or after a long day of work to just sit home and read a fantasy book. He is an expert at revisiting topics. Too. Yeah, he'll give you these nuggets and then, but he'll space them out. Yeah. yeah, he's not an exposition dump. He's not like this. Oh, let's go into this flashback and explain things. He'll drop the. This is what a mentat is. This is why they exist. Remember because of the machine and the machine war. And then that will come back later. Yeah. And then it'll come back later. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so you kind of get to piece it together. And then on a reread, it, 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 you get more out of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It all fits back together. I gotta, I gotta read it again. It's a really easy <laughs> trap for a bad writer to fall into, to just introduce new ideas as you need them and as they come up. Yeah. You can even do it effectively. Like yeah. Frank Herbert's style where they're just in the background and you get enough as you can by context. But Frank Herbert, like you're talking about the setting, the world building, he wrote an entire coherent world and he just gives you the little little nuggets as they organically come up. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's he beautiful. does what you would want to do as characters that exist in a fantasy world, right? Mm-hmm. We you, we we don't talk about all of the intricacies of our world. Right. Yep. In casual conversation. In fact, this unless is, they become topically relevant for that conversation. This is what we and call that's exactly we fought kind of what he does. We fought a ducks. We fought a ducks. What? <laughs> we fought a ducks. Ah. <laughs> he has no idea he has what's going no on. No clue. He does listen to the ep- nope. to, to the podcast, but like it's not something we talk about every episode. No. Nope. We'll just leave it there. We'll just leave it there. Nah, we fought a ducks are uh, are basically what we refer to as uh oh, we fought a ducks are. How am I piecing this together? We fought a ducks are basically uh, dialogue or explanation that is relevant at the ex- at the specific time and doesn't overexposit for the characters that are in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the origin, the origin of the phrase, Matt and I, our podcast comes out. Uh, well, actually, this way origin back when the podcast came out at noon on Sundays. Yep. And we go to church together. We're sitting at church at 1130 and we haven't recorded the episode that comes out <laughs> at 12 o'clock. A lesser writer would exposit that where I turn to you and say. We got to listen. We got to record the podcast that comes out at 12 o'clock and we haven't recorded it yet. So we have to go out and record the podcast. What? And you mean the podcast we record together every week about a variety of topics related to entertainment? Exactly. And we and it comes out at 12 o'clock, but it is unfortunately 1130 and we were at church. So we must go and record it after the episode, <laughs> after the church, and we it will still be late. <laughs> but the way it would actually go down is I turn to Matt and go, we got to. Yep. And that's it. Like. We understand the topic, and but Matt doesn't curse, so he says we fought a ducks instead of we got us. Yep, <laughs> which is just super appropriate. Um, there you go. And so that's our our way of like Prolberg, what you were saying that like doesn't. Oh wait, no, who said that? Yeah, he said that. Pro- Prolberg said that. Like, I'd no, be happy to take credit for it's, it. It's 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 only when it's necessary and it it fits organically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry, Gage, for all of the F-bombs. That has a <laughs> lot of sound effects over that word. <laughs> I count two, I think. Two two or three. So okay. We're still That's good. not bad. Yeah. I just gotta not say it ever again for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So that's Dune. That's the basics of Dune. That's the basics of Dune. That is the, like... Very coarse. <laughs> There's so much stuff. more. Yeah. Very yeah. basics. So... In this edition, there's an afterword by Brian Herbert, Frank's son, yes. um, where he talks about the book a little bit. And one of the oh. things that he talks about, his father talking about with the book, is that you can read it four or five different times, aiming for a different layer each time and get something new out of it. Because um, the book is, it's not just its story, like one story. There is a Game of Thrones style feudal politics story, which yeah. is dominates a lot of it. 
there is a sort of messianic religious story with yeah. some spiritual elements that's thinking about some interesting philosophical things and all of the drugs that Frank Herbert was doing in the 60s. <laughs> um, there is there an like a sort of a sociological level where he's thinking about the Fremen, the uh, indigenous population of Arrakis yeah. and their relationships to um their environment and the relationships to outsiders and how people interact with the systems that are around them. There's a purely ecological level part. The book was in part inspired by an article he started writing about a program in Oregon to plant grass on sand dunes that were by the highway to keep the dunes from spreading over the highway. And Oregon is still trying to undo those grass plantings. (laughs) Go Oregon. (laughs) So there's just, it's this, these massive layers of things and each one has interesting ideas and interesting stories to tell. Yeah. Some of them, I mean, it's the sort of thing that seems like it could get really too complicated too easily. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that he manages the balance? Well, 100%. Like it's, it's, you know, I never even thought of that, but you're so right. Yeah. Like I, when reading it, like you, you we can set, we can be intimidating mm-hmm. by saying that there are all these levels that you, that you get when reading the book, but every single level is fully approachable on its own. Mm-hmm. Like you still get those. Like I mean, like your first read through, you're just getting the story, like yeah. what has happened. And you can, I mean, he interweaves stuff. No, you don't yeah. even need to know all the ecological and the messian, messia, messianic, 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 messianic. Like all that, like all these deep levels, you don't really even need to pay attention to the the themes that he's spouting at you. Yeah. Just the story is good. And on like, some level, it's just a good coming of age story in a cool sci-fi world. Yeah. And it's, it. And then you could just, like you said, that Brian said, <laughs> you can just. That Brian said, that Frank said. That Frank said. You can just keep reading and always get something new. It's like me watching Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch it, even though I've watched it like a billion times, oh I still get God. something new. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. Um. I would say, yes, it can sound intimidating with where describing it because we're like digging into its themes yeah. mm-hmm. that you guys like to say. Themes. 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 <laughs> but it is really approachable and it is really easy to digest kind of all of those things along the way. Mm-hmm. And then it's when you stop and think about them. Yeah. Yeah. That you kind of really let that soak into you. And I really think Preston, your way of experiencing it is exactly how Frank Herbert intended for people to experience it is get sucked into this Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a religion here. There's multiple religions. Yeah. There's history here. There's politics here. There's um, disagreements on ecological environments. There's impacts on the environment directly because of human interventions. Mm -hmm. Yep right like it's a real fleshed out world Mm -hmm. and you just get sucked in yeah and a lot of it is drawn from real stuff that was going on in the world at the time right um the spice the the quest for spice a lot of that is inspired by oil scarcity in 60s and 70s he explicitly has said as much yep 
um not e- not even just the spice but like the water scarcity and just resource yeah. scarcity in general um and yeah. what that does to a population yeah um he talks about the sort of on the messianic political level he talks about uh leaders and how dangerous that is and one of the things that paul struggles with throughout the course of the book as he goes from child to man and leader mm-hmm. is fear of his own power yeah um and i have a really great quote from frank herbert kind of about this okay. uh, relevant to the times um quote i wrote the dune series because i had this idea that charismatic leaders ought to come with a warning label on their forehead <laughs> may be dangerous to your health one of the most dangerous presidents we had in this century was john kennedy because people said yes sir mr charismatic leader what do we do next and we wound up in vietnam And I think probably the most valuable president of this century was Richard Nixon because he taught us to distrust government and he did it by example. Wow. So I think when you read Dune, you have to read uh, Paul as JFK and Vladimir Harkonnen as Tricky Dick. Huh. There's so much. (laughs) Wait, that means my, that means my, the hero is the bad guy. Yeah. I, I mean, he did Daenerys before George R. R. Martin did Daenerys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just everyone just borrows from Frank Herbert. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's, there's. I love the story about. Uh, so, Star Wars Episode mm-hmm. Four mm-hmm. started as a Dune adaptation. Which I didn't know that. A lot of people don't know, and you can still Wait, see really? the threads of that. Yeah, um, like the like the very very early rendition of star wars so you can see like it's like the desert it's the hero the the, hero who's like he comes from the great lineage yeah but has been exiled to the desert to live among the the warrior monks oh my gosh spice like literally like the 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 spice the benedict proverb what's the word benedict melange no benedict 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 uh, the force, mm-hmm. like the, the um, yeah. in general, kind of the uh, the spice and the moisture on, mm-hmm. on that. Like there are so many tiny like things you can see through that. Um, oh and so gosh. when yeah. Star Wars came out uh, and there's that's not the only sci fi thing George Lucas borrowed from. There's like mm-hmm. Flash Gordon. And, oh, yeah. Like, no. So many things that uh, Frank or uh, yeah, Frank Herbert and a bunch of other sci fi creators that it's based on started a uh we're too big to sue george lucas society <laughs> and it's it's all the sci-fi creators who star wars completely ripped off and like and and frank herbert saw it the moment he watched the movie he was like mm-hmm. oh this is completely ripping off of dune yeah and like all these tiny little facets yeah and uh and i just find that incredibly fascinating what year did episode four come out 75 no 77 did- what year did Dune come out? Sixty-five. Like it was not. It was. A, it was not a slow turnaround. No, and it, he read the book and was mm-hmm. like, "I'm gonna make a movie about this." Yeah, Dune did have a a slow start, but it as it picked up steam into the seventies, yeah. um, connected with partly the environmentalist movement. Um, mm-hmm. First Earth Day in 1970. Frank Herbert was completely based on uh, built from Dune. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty integral to that. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, kind of goes back to his work as an ecologist, thinking yes. about the sand dunes and in Oregon. That's something that I absolutely adore. So, like, I've been getting more into writing, like mm-hmm. writing stories, writing books, uh, graphic novels, movies, stuff like that. Um, and I've been learning 
what you need to do to write a good story. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is that you need to be able to relate to the story or write your experience. So something with like John Le Car, mm-hmm. Le Carre, Le Carre, uh, was in British intelligence for mm-hmm. years, and now he writes. For, well, pff, then um, he died pretty recently. Right. Uh, wrote intel like espionage novels. Mm-hmm. Ian Fleming, kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And so Frank Herbert was an ecologist, and like the biggest most fleshed out element of dune is the ecology of arrakis Mm -hmm. how it all works together how the sandworms and like all the tiny the things you you don't even see it in the original dune like just elements of what creates the spice Mm -hmm. all ecology and it's just written by a guy who this is his experience yeah and i love it Let's take this discussion in another direction. Why are we talking about Dune in the first place right now? There's a movie coming out. There's a movie coming out. Yeah, there is. Are we hyped for the movie? <laughs> I am. Okay. How Dune are you for Dune? I'm so Dune for Dune. Brelberg, how Dune are you for Dune? I am so hype. Like, I, I can bear it. I literally, when I saw the movie, or uh, the trailer for the movie, I literally just was like, Moab deep. That's all I texted Preston. <laughs> that is in That's fact all what I texted he did. Preston. He is, I, uh, if I, I was just, if I searched Moab in my uh, messages with Pearlberg, I would find probably eighteen instances of him just <laughs> texting yeah. me that. I think I it's punched. like my literally favorite thing to chant uh, yeah. now, and it is just—it's so. It was so exciting because, as we just talked about this book. It's so fleshed out and it's so like into it's so like <laughs> it's hard. I, I'm, I'm struggling for words. It's oh, hard to says? encapsulate yeah. Dune. Um Exactly. It's, it, that's exactly the point. And the movie trailers manages look to like do they that. do a really good job. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I think I punched you, Preston, when the trailer for the trailer came it up was in the like, <laughs> It was probably like what the people who had read Lord of the Rings and were huge fans of Lord of the Rings were when they saw the first Lord of the Rings trailer. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I, what's, what's actually interesting is like, so I didn't read Dune until after the trailer came out. Mm. And what I did, which was kind of fun for me is every few chapters, I would go back and rewatch the trailer. Mm -hmm. I can recite the entire trailer for you because I've seen it so many (laughs) times. And what makes me excited about this is the fact that Denis Villeneuve is going to put, sorry, not going to put Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Dennis, Dennis Villeneuve (laughs) put so much effort and loyalty into his movie because Mm -hmm. there is one particular shot that it stuck out to me so strongly if you watch the trailer, if you're listening or watching, pause, go back, watch the trailer right now. Do it. Give you a second. Doing it. There's a shot of palm trees on fire. It's just one shot. And in the book, there is one sentence that describes the orange glow of the horizon from the burning palm trees. Mm-hmm. One sentence. 
and it's in the movie. Like you can just that one shot in that one sentence shows how much loyalty he's putting out. He's read this freaking book. Yep. And he has read it again and again and has made a screenplay that is loyal and and authentic to this book. Mm-hmm. And like being able to watch the trailer and read the book and like see those two together, like dialogue that's the exact same and like hearing the dialogue that has been changed. So a lot of the first trailer is the uh, that like the hand in the box. Mm-hmm. That's like one chapter. Yeah. So like they show you early on stuff. It's the first and there, chapter. That Prelberg's first chapter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, there's some dialogue that's changed. And so you understand that, but like, so you see that and you're like, oh, so like they're changing little things. And then you see that shot and you're like, it's 100% like a solid and loyal adaptation from book to screen. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how they were even going to do the box. Yeah. And it, it came across how I felt when I was first reading it of just like the fear, the terror of uh, of that that scene and it was really well put together and well and so this is where i'm like completely novice to you guys are way more expert than me of just the cinematography of it like that palm tree shot incredible shot i think that does a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. in that shot alone i don't know as much about filmmaking as you guys do it's but okay for me, we don't I know as much that. about filmmaking as literally anybody else <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, you work with a guy who makes films. That's true. So. No, I will say that uh, that um, so Denis Villeneuve, uh, if you don't know, for the listeners, uh, is the guy who made Blade Runner twenty forty nine and a couple other movies. I'll always throw Arrival okay. out there. Arrival. Um, go oh, watch. I like Arrival. If you want to know what, like the, um, the scope and the feeling of what dune's gonna be like when it comes to just like experiencing a movie blade runner 2049 is a good version of denis Villeneuve that i feel will very closely translate to dune like the Mm -hmm. sound the cinematography the dialogue like everything the character everything is so well done in 2049 that that's a good example of a movie to watch to understand what Dune is going to be like. Last night, I had 300 pages left of Dune to read, and it was about 10 o'clock at oh night. Oh my gosh. And I downloaded the Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> soundtrack and put it on my nice Bluetooth headphones. That is amazing. And just blasted through. It's like, it. that is a good movie to go and watch now. If you Okay, so like there's there's levels of, of what I want people to do. I want people to go read Dune. I want people to read it twice before the movie comes out. <laughs> if you can't afford the time to read Dune, give yourself three hours, watch Blade Quit Runner. Quit your t- job. <laughs> Start reading Dune now. Watch Blade Runner 2049. And that's the scale we will get with Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, Hopefully. It's, we don't know that. We don't know that. I, Denis Villeneuve is one of those people that I just feel like he's going to do a great job. Like, I can't see this movie not being fantastic. Yeah. Okay. This is a book that has been described before as unfilmable, despite yes. this being the fourth attempted adaptation that's been high enough profile to really garner attention. 
By rights, Dune ought to have become a big movie. An attempt by the visionary Chilean filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky to bring it to the screen became one of the great what-if stories of science fiction cinema. Cinema? Cinema. 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 Jodorowsky had extraordinary collaborators. This is tough. Collaborators. Visuals by Mobius and H.R. Geiger. Alien. H.R. Geiger was the guy who created the Xenomorph for yep. Alien. Uh, spaceships designed by English illustrator Chris Foss. Great. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Orson Welles was to play Baron Harkonnen. Oh, heck yeah. Salvador Dali, oh. the Emperor. Pink Floyd oh, and Magma what? were on board to do the soundtrack. Ooh. But Hodorowsky's progtastic project was strangled in the crib by risk-averse Hollywood producers. After a period of film wow. industry bloodletting, David Lynch shot a version in 1984, only for Universal to release a cut that he hated so much he had his name removed from the credits. <laughs> Lynch's film is actually much better than its terrible reputation, but Sting in a codpiece and a Toto soundtrack <laughs> will never match the potential greatness of Hodorowsky's unmade epic. I think there's... I haven't seen it, but there's apparently a really good documentary about Hodorowsky's mm. attempt. Um, yeah. So I think one thing is just the complexity. It's five or six different layers smushed on top of each other over 800 pages. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. One thing yeah. Phil Neves doing to address this is he's making two movies. Yep. That is a thing. It does seem like. That's the hope at least. Yeah. Um, so seems like cheating, but I'm for it. Well, so what's going to happen basically is like this movie is roughly the first half a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has been working on the script for the second half mm-hmm. uh, because he feels very confident. So uh, also, this is something that I want people to uh, to take into consideration. Uh, this is Warner, like Warner Media. Mm hmm. Uh, and also New Line. Mm-hmm. And this is basically who's responsible for Lord of the Rings. Yep. And so that is a great like hope that this is going to be such a great movie. Because New Line doesn't back anybody. Right. Um, sorry. New Line doesn't back just anybody. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah. and, and, and it just like the fact that they did Lord of the Rings and it went so well. Mm-hmm. Like they know how to do scale and quality together. Yep. Um, and we've also just found out that he's kind of planning a trilogy mm-hmm. to attempt the second book. Ooh. Um, it it's like he he has hinted towards the desire to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that will happen is still like it is untouchably in the air. Mm-hmm. Because we don't even know if the second movie is going to happen. Yeah. Um, because it's just like a. The pandemic has really killed people's ability to go to movies. Yep. And uh, so the worry is that this movie's not going to do well enough and bring enough, bring in enough money to warrant the ability to do a second movie. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Villeneuve's. Uh, experience with new line and warner like they are fully behind this movie Mm -hmm. there is no doubts about the movie Mm -hmm. 
And he says that it would take a giant catastrophe to not, those aren't the words. He says something really bad has to happen for the second movie to not happen. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of hope. Okay. And I'm going to use our giant following to, mm -hmm. <laughs> huge <laughs> to uh to get to get people to go to that movie. Yep. And I will say I am trying to be super safe with the pandemic. I live in Georgia, you guys live in Oklahoma. Yeah, you literally you know, almost it's... wore a hazmat suit when you flew out to Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was getting on a plane yeah. and it was a little worse then. But so like, you know, pandemic is a concern for me i will risk death for this movie <laughs> yes yeah like i want to go in theaters i'm gonna go on october 1st yep, yep. if i can find tickets God, it's it's a month away it's less than a month away when the episode comes out yeah but it's a month away from now yes it's oh yeah. my god oh my god and I share you guys' yeah. optimism, but I need to be the cynic in the room here. I think this movie's going to lose a lot of money. Oh, yeah. It's going to lose money. I almost guarantee it. But that's the thing that gives me hope about what Villeneuve said, is mm -hmm. that it, it's going to take more than just losing money for the second movie to not come out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, like, that's... Oh. See, you say that, but I don't know if I can trust a studio to see them throw $300 million at this movie, just to ballpark it, take in 50 to $100 million at the worldwide box office, and decide to do the whole thing again in two years. Yeah. I, especially with a, 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 a box office that's been crippled by the pandemic and a lot of studios yeah. are hurting for it, I don't know if they're going to want to throw those kind of resources behind a so, movie again if they take that the kind thing, of a though. hit. Even is, if they've said things to that effect is the studios can take into account the pandemic and they can look at this and go, yes, we lost a little bit of money. Uh, but that's a big little bit. Well, I mean, yeah. like, we've lost money, but considering all of the movies that have come out across the pandemic, mm hmm. The next movie will not lose money, assuming the pandemic goes away by the time it comes out. And so the first movie was a risk. Any movie is a risk mm -hmm. from the get go. But they can kind of like it's humans running it, not a binary make lose money. Right. Decide for the next movie. It's. Yeah, but ultimately, like. It, the money that they make from the box office helps them fund the new movie. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to sink their studio if they don't make the money I don't that think, they can use to... I don't think two movies is going to sink Warner Media. No, but it's going <laughs> to sink some decision makers' jobs if they both lose money. Some people aren't going to be willing to take that risk. They're going to cut fair. their losses after one. I think you're pay placing too much optimism in the farsightedness of movie studio that is not in a situation to be farsighted. And yeah, because all their revenues are hurting. Yep, exactly. So, again, that's why I'm I'm here. I'm going to show them I will come to the box office. Yep. We'll I will go come see on it. the week one opening. Yeah, we'll go see it in IMAX. Yep. Day of, we'll do a yeah. review. We'll take our significant others to tickets it. tickets yeah. just for me. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen. I don't have that money. Nope. But... I fully intend to go at least twice. Yeah. Oh, me too. Bring yep. all your friends. All exactly. my friends. Yeah. We've got a lot of friends. Yeah. We've got some friends. 
We got a friend. <laughs> because to to Dalthorpe's point, this is like the cursed movie. So here yep. we go. We get like one really good shot at it, and then we won't get the sequel. So we won't yeah. get the full Dune. We'll yeah. get the the like fifty two percent of it. But what if like it it doesn't happen immediately? But we watch like in the next ten years, Denis Villeneuve comes back and says, "I've convinced him to make the second one." <laughs> Yeah, but then the characters will have aged up. That's fair. Half the people will not want to come back for a new contract. That's true. Oh, that'd be bad. He That's why that. I think it was his risky for him to do it in two parts. Well, but I don't think it was... I Yes, it was risky, but I think it was necessary. I don't mm-hmm. think you... I, I think the unfilmable thing kind of speaks to it that you can't pull <laughs> off Dune in one movie. No. I mean, like, look at how fat that book is like it's i mean but it's no more bigger than lord of the rings i mean it's bigger than lord of the rings yeah no the individual <laughs> lord of the rings books themselves are What's the page count of lord of the rings uh look that up. the fellowship of the ring is 472 uh two towers is that is really it like yeah. 420 something return of the king is 450 or so with the appendices, but I think it comes in a little under 400. Okay, I stand times. corrected then. I stand corrected. It is two Lord of the Rings. Yeah. All right. It yeah. is two Lord of the Rings. And so yeah. it's two movies. And it's it's... going to be two long movies. And I think that's the appropriate way to handle it. I yeah. don't see a way to tell this story in even three hours. And, and in and out. We, and we talked a lot about effects, but we barely talked about story and mm-hmm. like how this story is so deep it's really hard to cut out any of the story or like narrative in general that like without losing substance. It turns into Star Wars. It turns into Star Wars. Not to disparage Star Wars. Right. But Star Wars is a different thing than Dune. Yeah. And you don't want your Dune Dune. to become Star Wars. Yeah. It's Dune light. Exactly. Exactly. Dune lightsaber. There's so many moving pieces. Oh, you're such a great point Preston so many moving pieces that to lose one cuts like <laughs> nuance out of the rest of the entire book yeah exactly and so like you it's it's not a uh, a Harry Potter order of the Phoenix where you can just cut out three quarters of the book and still have a sustainable movie <laughs> or Lord of the Rings yeah. or Lord, Lord of the Rings, of the Rings they, they, cut out a they chopped list. a lot of stuff yeah or Hobbit where you shove in three times as many things as are actually in the <laughs> yeah. book and pretend it's a yeah. movie. That's a different problem. That's a different yeah. problem. Don't Completely get me started. Different. And then the dragon is Shut like up. walking on the Shut rooftops. Up. Stop it. <laughs> you know, really unpopular opinion. I kind of like the Hobbit movie. Get out of here. They, they, We're they done encapsulate here. what the Hobbit was supposed to be. No, no, no. Stop, Stop. it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, man. So I want to address one other thing on the unfilmable thing first. And this is my biggest worry with this movie. So much of the action and the tension and the themes is entirely internal, internal monologues, little subtle cues in character dialogue that is explained in the character's actual thoughts. The sort of things that are really hard to capture. The whole Dune equivalent to the force is an internal thought. Yeah. 
it's literally being able to read people mm-hmm. and their like their eye movements, their body, like their body language. Yep. How do you convey that in a visual format? Overacting. <laughs> I think you need really good actors. You need really good actors and you need fantastic cinematography and directing mm-hmm. to be able to draw attention to it mm-hmm. without like zooming in on an eyeball with it's like pupils dilating. Right. And it being really cheesy. Like it's, I don't know. Honestly, that's the one thing that makes me nervous about this movie Mm -hmm. is. Can they do that? Mm -hmm. Here's. I think this is going to be, this is a problem that any movie that's based off of great books suffers from Mm -hmm. is that. There's a layer that the fans expect tech of of matching up with the book. And I think what they need to do is they need to tell the full story of Dune Mm -hmm. on its own for a person who's never read the books to see it and enjoy the film. But they also need to do a good job of incorporating those subtler things for the fans that have read the books to enjoy it and say, oh, I know what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult line to walk. It is. So... Do they going to need a bunch of monologues or those zoom ups of the irises? Maybe here and there they might need that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably ways to do it tastefully. Just. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I worry about it because one of the beautiful things about the book is it puts you in the headspace of characters who are not just super intelligent, but like super intelligent and able to super well trained and have like sort of latent special abilities and it puts you in their headspace really effectively like throwing all the variables at you and that's a really hard thing to convey in film yeah without it without it becoming cheesy yeah like oh they're just super smart people they they (laughs) are super smart people yeah and it's believable in the context of the world and everything that they make their actions are so well laid out yeah yeah, um, and I I know that there are ways to do it. I'm glad that I'm not the one making the adaptation. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. something I I don't we don't know I don't know how long he's been working on this script. It could be ten years of like, how do I take this mm-hmm. and put it into a movie? And that might have been what it took mm-hmm. to like make a competent adaptation of this book mm-hmm. um it's and like the, uh, part of me wants to say just like even if you watch the movie and it doesn't turn out good read the book because yeah. the book will do it better <laughs> yep i'm yeah. I, i'm excited and i'm excited and interested to see how he does it mm-hmm. i'm not even worried because i feel like I trust him enough because I love 2049 so much. I have a little bit of a, like a, a, a a blind trust Mm -hmm. for him to do a good movie, Mm -hmm. a a good sci-fi movie that tells a full story and has nuance. Mm -hmm. Even if it cuts out some, like a, a couple of the, of the deep levels of Dune. Sure. Um, I still feel like it's going to be a genuinely great movie. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. I'm optimistic. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'll to be fair, the second trailer was not nearly as good. Yeah. Watched it and I was like, all right, I'm hyped. And then I went back and watched the first one. I'm like, I'm hyped! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the pattern, though? Yeah. <laughs> oh god all right what else any any other uh, uh, directions you want to take this that's kind of really got to pee that's the big points i wanted to hit does anyone else have any stuff they want to talk about regarding okay. dune um oh where do you think it's going to end uh, that's a good question because oh. that's like we see the fremen mm-hmm. which are the natives of the planet yep we see elements of like later bits of like it's not just like Mm -hmm. a uh oh it's the fremen moving on like or like that's the end of the movie it's um thematically and narratively where do you think the story will end um this may get a little bit spoiler for the book my best guess just to keep it vague um (laughs) would be uh paul's knife fight okay at the siege okay um, Maybe. That seems a, like that's a good like turning point. Yeah, in the coming of age, uh, coming of. Age. They could end it on the two-year time gap. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a lot they could do there. I, I think if they do end it on the time gap, they're gonna have to flesh out the back half a little bit more narratively. Yeah. Which is probably not a bad thing, honestly. Yeah. Um, the first time I reread it. I got to like the build up to the final confrontation. I was like, I still got like a solid 150 pages left of book. This is going to be great. And then it was done. And there's a hundred pages of appendices. And I was like, Oh, uh, that's it. Yeah. No, the last, the moment the emperor enters the scene. Yeah. It's just like, Oh boy. Gotta wrap this up. <laughs> I'm at 700 pages. Time to My highs wearing off. <laughs> There's, there's maybe def- the editor said you gotta you gotta shorten this yeah you yeah. start chopping some stuff dude um i i think that what if he just like what if he worked with the herbert estate and like fleshed out those two years possible like there there could be some stuff like i i did feel like towards the end that there was like it was kind of starting to accelerate and rush through the end. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff he could do that. It could just like add to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it could also ruin it by doing that. Sure. And maybe the second movie will be like an hour and a half. Could have to be long. He wouldn't do that. Thematically and narratively, like the half point of the book is like a third or two thirds of the way through the book. Yeah. He could do like a, was it, Two and a half? I uh, don't know if we... I'm sure we have I an thought it was three. Run. I thought you guys said it's... it was three. That's the um, Batman movie. Oh. Dune runtime. Uh, two hours, 35 minutes. Okay, so two and a half hours. Uh, and the next one could be like an hour and a half. That's like a short movie. Mm-hmm. Might do two hours, but like... I think do two hours, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Let's see if... Will Dune... you as a fan be upset if they introduce new stuff, if they hobbit it up, uh, it depends. If they hobbit it up, oh, I riot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> for example, but honestly, it depends. It depends on if he is staying loyal to the universe, 
Um, but adding elements that may not have been in the book explicitly, um, or if he just adds elements that are like not in the universe, like it, it completely depends on what he does with it. Um, but, uh, man, I think you can just flesh out the final confrontation a lot. Yeah. Um, there's, it's, they're building up to a huge final battle in some sense. Yeah. And it kind of just all happens. Most of it off screen. Yeah, it does. In the book. I mean, that's kind of like a, uh, a game of Thrones thing almost, or no, no Hobbit, the Hobbit thing Mm -hmm. where they, it was just like one thing led to another and suddenly the battle of the five armies is over. Yep. Well, and, problem is our POV character Bilbo gets conked on the head in the exactly, first yeah. five he, minutes of he gets action. Tyrion. And yep. so like we could I honestly loved that part. <laughs> you could I'm see like, that. yes, yes, Tolkien. <laughs> Do it. Just to, like, oh yeah, I didn't need to see this epic battle. <laughs> we we could see that. That's like that could flesh out thirty minutes. Easy. Yeah. And so that could definitely be where they go. Uh here's another question. If there's not a second movie, do you think you will be satisfied by the first half of the book? Depends on how good it is. Yeah. Ooh. My first instinct was to yell at you. And I opened (laughs) my mouth and I thought about it and I was like, if this is what it promises to be, and this is a great adaptation of the first half, I mean, there's always going to be that heartache of what could have been yeah if we don't get the second part man it'd be it's going to be really cool to see that on the screen though yeah i mean it's it's a it's a uh to me if there's not a second movie it is a step for in 20 years an even better version because honestly like you you look at movies these days i I think about this all the time like the mcu Mm -hmm. and dune and like as much as I hated the story, Star Wars, yeah. um, like it's hard to it's hard to think of it getting better visually. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know what people thought back in the 70s, like if they when they watched like 70s and 80s, when they watched Star Wars Episode four, you've seen the original cut or at least clips of it. it looks like shit, honestly, compared to these days. Well. Yeah, but it blew their minds then. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like we're watching movies these days and we're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is like it couldn't get better. Yeah. Can it? Can we get a better version of Dune in 30 years? I'm sure we will. And yeah, but, if yeah, but this... then I'll be 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like we will be the ones who watched the original Denis Villeneuve version of Dune when we were 25 mm-hmm. and we're like, this is fantastic. But the damn pandemic stopped the the rest of it from happening yep and then in 30 years we get almost a better version because like no no studio is going to attempt a follow-up or a redo of a Denis Villeneuve movie without making sure that it was going to be damn fantastic unless there's money involved I, I yes but also, I feel like the money involved is going to be fully tied to, can we do it better? Can we do it more profitably? Eh. Yeah. You got to think like a studio exec here, yeah, not a creator. I want to be optimistic about the world. Just let me. 
No. But generally, my point stands that if the second movie doesn't happen, I think this is a strong, like, not necessarily maybe a step, but like a totem mm-hmm. to it's, a future fantastic, perfect version. It's proof that it is filmable. Yes. That, thank you. Yes. It does prove to be filmable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that still is an unanswered question. Yep. I would be, I think Dalthorpe incorporated it well. He said bittersweet or heartache of that if it's super good and then we never get the second i'll be upset but i'll cherish the memory and the fact that we've gotten at least 50 or 52 60 mm-hmm. percent of the movie filmed yeah, yeah. in a real like because i've seen some of the clips from the original dune <laughs> like the older dune movies terrible <laughs> terrible not pleasant <laughs> and just terrible cgi and so looking at this i'm like this is arrakis this was what i was picturing when i was reading the book yeah Yeah. me too mostly because i was watching the trailer (laughs) while reading it but uh you know no but i hadn't even seen the trailer yet (laughs) i know (laughs) oh I really I want this pee. to be our Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Those people were so excited yep. for when Lord of the Rings came out and they got to experience, you know, movie 1, movie 2 and movie 3 and just the the progression of how getting better and better and better. Yep. I was one of those people. That's what I Shut up. You were 5. I read well, my dad read the books to me when I was 4. <laughs> and I was Wow, super that's really excited. cool. Yeah, no. Lord of the Rings was Actually, like, we went and saw all the movies in theaters because oh. it, it, we were a Lord of the Rings family. First experience I ever had with Lord of the Rings was watching in, or walking into my parents' room, and they were watching uh, uh, Return uh-huh. and just seeing the giant elephants in a desert. And I'm like, what a weird thing. And then walking <laughs> away. <laughs> that was my experience with it. That's amazing. I... I- I wish I had had that experience of, and that's like uh, the experience I want to give to my kids of mm-hmm. like reading the Lord of the Rings, reading Dune to them when they're a little older, mm-hmm. you know, just sharing these like fantastic worlds Yep. and then having movies to go and show them that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right. Anyone got anything else to contribute before Preston's bladder bursts? My bladder is about <laughs> to explode all over me. <laughs> Shouse me? I've just been talking to keep it going so that you he has son to get his hand. <laughs> hey, water is precious. Stop saying it. Put in it. your still suit. Yeah, get your get your still suit or there's like a reclamation sieve. Stop talking. We shoust. Thanks everyone for listening to our Dune episode. Thanks again to Matt Prelberg for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure getting another guy on here who's excited about Dune as we are. So excited. It's going to be great. Yeah. Really. Yep. I just, words are escaping me because I'm, I'm very excited and I'm glad that other people are also equally excited. Um, if you're listening to this, this is the audio version of the, the, the podcast. It cannot be found on SoundCloud anymore, but it can be found on Spotify and iTunes and iHeartRadio and Podbean and other podcast places. You know where to look or you don't, in which case you can check one of those four that I do remember. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you're not watching the video version, which is a shame because you're missing out on our beautiful faces. Preston's still zipping up his shorts over there. <laughs> I 
really had to be. We do little shortened video versions of the discussion. There was a lot of quality talking in this one, so good there luck. There was a Gage. lot of quality talk. Good, good luck, Gage, trimming down some of the best bits on that one. I, I think we had some good stuff to say there. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the next three weeks, at least, we're on social media. Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, at Just Us Losers Pod. Instagram, same handle, at Just Us Losers Pod. We'll be posting some updates about uh, what we're going to be doing moving forward. And then... As things eventually start to ramp back up or come in a different direction, we'll be putting some updates there, so keep an eye out there. Um, we got a Gmail, justusloserspod at gmail.com, where if you can explain to me in a five-paragraph essay how the Bionicles figure into the Dune mythology, I want to see it. Wow, bringing that joke back. Yes. What a what a tall callback. <laughs> Clearly, they're the thinking machines. Yes. Yep. Oh, Bionicles. Yeah. Bionicles are the prequels. No, yep. no. Yeah. No. What? This is pre-Mentats. Mentats are replacing yeah. the Bionicles. Yeah, this is like pre-Butlerian Jihad, all that. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Bionicles led. We'll write the five-page essay. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We got this. We got this. Um, that's just us losers pod at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's everywhere we are. We're right here in this room physically, except for Matt Prelberg. He's right there in that room physically. Except All the way. Hundreds of miles away. 1,400 miles away. Yep. Good stuff. All right, uh, next week, we'll just be doing our usual what you've been up to in news. And then the last content episode for a while, don't miss it. We're having Brendan on, our good friend. He's been on, guested a couple of episodes before. Yep. We're going to talk about James Bond. James Bondage. I was going to do a whole big thing about, we're going to settle once and for all who the best Bond, but now <gasps> I, I don't even want to. Jimmy Bondage. Jimmy we're Bondage. Done. Jimmy Bondage. Jimmy Bondage. Good stuff. Bondage, Jim. I'm done. I did not subscribe to this. Don't hit that unsubscribe button. You'll cut our listeners by half. (laughs) (laughs) 20% loss of audience. 20%, that's optimistic. It's more than 20. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. We got the pod bean guy. The the cool beans guy. guy, Cool beans guy, yeah. Cool beans guy. Oh, God. Did I just make him a... (laughs) Just, just exists as Cool Beans guy. I'm so sorry, dude. I don't know your name, but you're you're now Cool Beans guy. Do you want to come on our podcast and talk about coffee? Welcome to the club. <laughs> if we're talking about that's just, the most interesting thing about coffee, you. We are scraping the bottom for topics. <laughs> that's all I've got. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. Bye, Matt. <laughs> Bye.